the struggle is real a podcast by family bridges for modern parenting check out this week's episode martin jr's dead he passed away early this morning oh oh martin i'm so sorry no one wants to do community service it's just my parents way of punishing me but i get it i'm privileged you don't have to ruin my day just because someone else's life is a worse for too long Jessica has ignored our washing instructions, thrown us on the floor, left us in the hamper for weeks on end. But I have called this meeting to say you are not alone. The Struggle is Real podcast starts in three, two, one. Welcome, everyone, to The Struggle is Real, a podcast by Family Bridges. I'm Veronica Avila, along with Mr. Omar Ramos. Hi, Omar. Hey, Veronica. Great to hear you. <laughs> you know that voice at the beginning? Uh-huh. It just reminded me of someone. Who? I don't know. <laughs> there, I put a smile on your face. Hello, everyone. <laughs> Greetings, Vero. We continue our special uh, gratitude series, and today's topic is modeling empathy and solidarity. Sounds easy, but putting it into practice will be a huge, huge difference in many people's lives. To talk about this, we welcome our resident expert, Dr. Alicia Laos, clinical psychologist and CEO of Family Bridges and co-author of This Struggle is Real. Like always, Dr. Alicia, welcome back. Happy to be here. Awesome. And also via telephone, joins us a very special guest all the way from the Olympic Training Center in Colorado. Her name is Leticia Martinez. She's 22 years old and she's a two-time Paralympian swimmer. Now at age three, Leticia was diagnosed with Libra's congenital amaurosis. When asked to describe herself, she wrote, I'm completely blind. Therefore, I often run into many walls or pools or whatever I find. But I am blessed enough to have the best pair of glasses ever. My partner in crime, my guide dog, Philly, all known as Philly Cheesesteak. She competed in the London 2012 and Rio 2016 Paralympic Games in swimming, and she's currently studying towards a bachelor's in technical management. Welcome, bienvenida, Leticia Martinez. It's an absolute delight to have you with us this morning. Oh, thank you. I'm really glad to be here. I, I really appreciate it. Now, this is uh, Omar on this side. Again, thank you so much for taking the time. I know you must be very busy. What is it like to be born and raised in the state of New Mexico? Wow, you're like the first person I've ever talked to that's originally from that state. <laughs> what a great state it is. It's a lot of fun. We eat lots of red chili and green chili, good Mexican food. It's my favorite type mm-hmm. of Mexican food. And I have one brother, my wonderful parents. They're actually originally from Las Vegas, New Mexico. Mm. Yeah, they're from that interesting little, cute little town. So we often drive all around to go visit our family from different parts of New Mexico. And I have a pretty big family, lots of lots of cousins and that type of stuff. So I really do like New Mexico, especially now that I've been living in Colorado. I uh, miss the food and the culture and stuff a lot. It's nice to come back home and and visit every now and then for the holidays and stuff. But I've been living in Colorado for probably about three years. I love the training center. It's awesome. The athletes I get to meet are just so cool. I get to meet like some of my idols and people that I look up to and athletes that I watch on TV that I never, ever would have imagined (laughs) actually meeting them. My dog, Philly, she's a great way for me to meet people because people always love her or she loves men. So Philly will sometimes just take me to tables of men. <laughs> so that's a, a great way that I get to meet people, too. So I really, 
really enjoy having my guide dog, Silly. She's awesome. The training is intense. It's pretty much my job. Uh, we train about 26 to 28 hours a week. Lots of swim sessions. We swim about nine times a week. And then we have two weightlifting sessions. And then access to massages and uh, ice bath and sauna and those types of things. So that way we can recover. So we'll be ready to go for our next wonderful training session. Sports psychologists and nutritionists and stuff that we can consult with. That way we can make sure that we're always ahead of the game. I just recently had hip surgery, so I'm not able to train currently. So I'm just doing lots of physical therapy and stuff, trying to get my my legs strong again so I can be back for next year's season. Because next year, we have a swim meet in Australia mm-hmm. and some in Italy, Denmark, England, Germany. So I am like, all right, I got to be ready for this because I really want to go to Australia. How and cool. Italy, so. Oh, you are a busy wow. bubble. <laughs> How cool is that? Where can we sign up? We want to go, too. <laughs> well, thank you for joining us, Letitia. We are going to go into our first skit. It has a pretty interesting name. It's called That Sucks. Morning, kiddo. Good morning. Everything all right? Martin Jr.'s dead. He passed away early this morning. Oh, Oh, Martin, I'm so sorry. It's all right. Where is he? In my room. You're pretty sad, huh? Yeah. You know, I remember when when my first pet died, Napoleon, I was pretty sad. He was pretty old, so we were expecting it, you know, but it still hurts. Yeah. I haven't thought about that in a long time. I was, I don't know, about your age, maybe. We had him for five or six years or so. You got uh, Richard last year. Martin Jr. I meant Martin Jr. I got him last summer in Florida. That's right. Well, that's a long time, too. Do you want to get a new lizard? No. Yeah. Yeah. You want to get something else? A a dog, maybe. Martin III, or, you know, something else. You can decide. That'd be fun, right? No, thanks. Okay, well... I'm going to start on breakfast. Can I make you some cereal? I'm not hungry. You have to eat. You know, Martin Jr. wouldn't want you to be sad. He'd want you to be happy. I guess. There you go. Believe me, son, you won't feel this way forever. You'll forget it and move on. You'll see. Now we can have pancakes. I don't want to forget Martin Jr. Well, I, I, I didn't mean forget Martin Jr. Can't forget Martin Jr. He made you so happy, I'm sure. He did. He didn't make me happy, and I don't want to replace him. I don't want to move on. I just want to remember him and be sad. Well, okay, but you don't have to feel sad, you know? He's not in any pain. You didn't do anything. I do have to feel sad. You're supposed to. When you lose someone important to you, it's just something something that you're supposed to do. Okay. And it's okay to feel angry, and it's okay to feel uncomfortable. Just don't try to change the way that I'm feeling, because it makes me feel worse. You're... you're right. I'm sorry. It sucks. What? It sucks. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you you know you're right. That's exactly the word for it. It sucks. It just sucks. Martin Jr. was a good chameleon and a good friend. And the fact that he's not going to be around anymore, (laughs) well, it sucks. So much. It sucks. Big time. It sucks. It sucks. Yeah. (laughs) You feel better? Yeah. Me too. 
Alright, l so we just heard 10-year-old Martin devastated because his pet lizard died, Martin. Now, we also heard Jeff, his dad, trying to fix the situations. You know, he starts telling him a story about himself, about his first pet dying, and then tries to solve his son's sadness by offering to buy another one or just kind of shut out his emotions, doctor. Then finally, his son just lets it all out at the end. What's really going on here, Dr. Ryan? Why do we tend to want to fix a situation instead of allowing people to feel and go through their own emotional process? Because emotions are messy and we don't really like getting our hands dirty in there. So it's easier just to come up with the fixer-upper. Mm -hmm. um, plus, I think a lot of us are hardwired to just fix things. We want, you know, we want closure and it's easy for us to come in with three lists of things and how mm -hmm. to fix it. And so it's harder to sit down and listen to someone, emote and be emotional and, and listen to pain. It's pretty uncomfortable. And especially if we're busy and we have other things to do, mm -hmm. do we want to really take the time to listen to someone pour out. Mm -hmm. Yet, that's when healing happens, when we're able to, if you will, get things off our chest and not carry yes. things with us. And those emotions really can burden us along the way if we're not able to let go of them. And, and the best way to let go of them is with someone that's willing to listen and be empathic. And so... The takeaway for us is to hold on to the checklist of what to do. Don't get the pad out with this is how you need to do it quickly, right away. Mm -hmm. You know, slow down, listen to people first, ask them, tell me more about the circumstance. Mm -hmm. Really let people open up. And then when they let that sit, you can go back and and provide some suggestions, but hold off on the fixing. <laughs> and it's hard as a parent, I guess. It's really hard because you don't want your child to suffer or yeah. to go through a painful mm -hmm. uh, situation. But I guess in the long run, that also helps them identify and be able to talk about their emotions. Yeah, sometimes just it. silence is better than... Trying to come up with a mm -hmm. quick solution, right? Yeah. Yeah, they, I, I feel that there's sometimes there's parents that don't know how to be empathy or show empathy versus, you know, with their kids because, again, like uh, Veronica just mentioned, they freak out. They see their kids that are breaking down. You don't want to see your kids suffering, so they don't know how to manage the situation. Doesn't necessarily happen in all families, but it did kind of happen in mine. Mm -hmm. I, I grew up in a barn. And I grew up raising German Shepherds, and there was this one that I was very attached to, and he got run over in front of me. <sighs> and it was the worst thing I have ever experienced, one of the top five worst things that, ever, uh, that I've ever lived in. I was shocked. I didn't cry about it until, like, uh, that night because he wasn't there waiting. That dog was not waiting for me there. But I remember my dad just telling me, man up, it happens, versus mm -hmm. my mom kind of, like, being quiet because she just did not know what to say. But Leticia, have you ever experienced a situation like this, uh, maybe with friends, your parents or your peers? And how did you manage it, if you'd like to share that with us? This is a very common thing that I've come into. Maybe not the exact situation, but especially with a lot of my friends, they'll call me and maybe they lost a good friend or a family member or something and they're just devastated. Mm -hmm. And it honestly just breaks my heart to even hear somebody suffering and having to go through something so difficult because, you know, just like the kids' parents, I automatically want to want to help them and I want to take away the suffering that they're going through because nobody likes to feel like that. But I think it is important for people to go through those emotions just because it helps, like you said, identify who they are and kind of build character, be stronger ultimately. One of the saddest things was actually my aunt 
she lost her daughter at a really young age. She had scoliosis and she was taking some pain meds for the scoliosis and they just kind of destroyed her liver and basically just killed her. And so when we went to the funeral, I was really close with my aunt and my family and and just hearing her cry, like devastatingly cry, it was just so hard for for me and my family because we wanted to we wanted to help her and we wanted to be there for her but there wasn't anything we could do to to fix the situation because we couldn't bring her back so all we could really do is just kind of hold her and listen to her cry and let her let her say what she was feeling and whenever she would talk about it it helped her feel a little bit better and she was able to kind of make sense of all the emotions that she was feeling because during those kind of times when there's a ton of emotions going through your head, it's kind of hard to really know what to feel and what to say and what to do because it's all so overwhelming. So when you have somebody there to kind of help listen to you and help guide you and maybe not tell you that it's all going to be okay, but just offer your support and your love, it really can help them get through such a difficult time, even though it doesn't seem good at the moment. But with time, it will get better. So I think just kind of being there and offering your support and trying to not necessarily immediately fix the problem just because it's kind of out of our control, but we can definitely just be there for support. That way we can help them get through the problem as opposed to just trying to fix it immediately. Good stuff. With that being said, now it's time for our next scenario and the search for empathy and solidarity. This is called sheltered try adding a hum what like this That's awesome. My lips, they feel so numb. That's a good sign. You're warming up. Oh? Uh, My name is Maya, by the way. And my name is Sylvia. Do you have a room yet, Maya? Oh, um, no. I mean, I'm I'm not homeless. I'm volunteering. Oh. I was handing out blankets. Then I ran out of blankets. Do you need help with something? You work in the kitchen, right? You don't seem very happy to be here. Not my first choice of things to do on my birthday. Is it your birthday? Sweet 16. Just hanging out at the women's shelter. Uh, no offense. I mean, I know helping people is like your job, but I'm only here to satisfy my parents' massive guilt trip. Your parents brought you here? Of course. No one wants to do community service. It's just my parents' way of punishing me. But I get it. I'm privileged. You don't have to ruin my day just because someone else's life is a worse. Why are you being punished? It's not even... It's so stupid. I took $80 from my dad, and he caught me before I paid it back, which I was pretty much just about to do. He's doing the 1378 challenge. 1378? You put a dollar in a bucket one day, and then two dollars the next day, etc., etc., and after a year, you've got $1,378 to donate to cancer, whatever. That's nice. So he's got, like, a grand just sitting in the kitchen, which is real smart, by the way, Bob. So I borrowed some to give back later, and they're like, guess what? You're old enough to do without adult supervision. Volunteer. Abaya, Maya. Happy birthday, right? It's my son's birthday soon. Oh, yeah? 
How old is he? Excuse me, Maya, can you help strip some beds? Oh, sure. How are you doing today, Miss Sylvie? I'm well, thank you. You gonna sing for us tonight? Oh, yes. Yes, of course. But I'm afraid I need some water. There's glasses in the kitchen. Help yourself. Thank you. Is she... is she homeless? Sylvie? Yes, of course. Can you take these sheets? Why doesn't she have a job? She sings in the subway, she says. Sometimes. But she has a kid. Where's her family? From what I can tell, her husband passed away. She used to sing opera, or she tried to, and I guess she... I don't know. Sometimes when spouses die, there's just too much debt. These rooms need to be turned over. Are you going to help? Your parents said you were here to work. Yeah, yeah, sure, I'll take them. Here you go. Happy birthday. Yeah, thanks. Wow, well, that was Maya who's spending her 16th birthday at a women and children's shelter for stealing money from her parents. And, well, we saw that she was obviously not happy to be there. She connected with a woman through music, thinking that she worked at the shelter. Later on, she found out that she was homeless, Sylvie, this woman, and then realizes that homelessness could happen to anyone, and it's not always their fault. Wow. What a lesson, Doctor. What did we hear here, and what can we learn about this? Well, she came in, obviously, very grudgingly and didn't like it, and then the reality of looking at other people's lives and other circumstances probably stopped her in her in her tracks. Mm-hmm. And interesting that the parents decided to have a consequence, and the consequence wasn't just, let me take away technology or let me put you in your room. It was a consequence that was really indirect. Mm-hmm. You know, it was really related to the project that they had. And uh, that's something interesting that as parents we can take away as well, thinking about different ways to have consequences. It obviously hurt her because it was her birthday and she probably Mm -hmm. had other ideas. (laughs) Um, But the experience is obviously expanding her worldview and seeing the reason and the purpose that the parents had behind the activity that they had laid out for the family. And I'm sure this is going to mark her life. Hopefully she will look at people more compassionately, more empathetically. Yeah, I think unless we, we listen to each other's stories, it's very easy to just you know, have a social media feed idea mm-hmm. of what people's reality is. Most definitely. Alrighty, so Leticia, this is for you. There's a quote that states, true empathy requires that you step outside of your own emotions to view things entirely from the perspective of another person. Now, unfortunately, many young people today have this bad reputation of being careless and self-absorbed. What do you think about that? And what can you say to young adults and teens about being empathetic? Huh, I think that's a really good question and a really good topic. I was actually talking with my family about it the other day. Me and my family, we kind of like to sit back and observe people and just kind of people watch and see how people react and that type of stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, Especially since I can't see, I really try to focus on that a little bit more just because I can't pick up on visual cues. So Mm -hmm. I really try to learn people's personalities or their voice, try to identify things that way. And so people do kind of become a little bit more self-absorbed, especially with um, social media and just the generation and stuff. It is really hard to be empathetic towards somebody, especially if somebody is going through a situation that you haven't experienced yet. It's really hard to kind of try to put yourself in in their shoes. But I think it's a really good quality and a really good thing to try and do just because it's easy to say, well, if this happens, I'm going to react in this way. But when you're actually in the middle of it, 
you usually end up acting on it in a different way that you that you would have thought. Like it's easy to say, well, I don't like this person and they come and talk to me, then I'm just going to tell them this. But when in reality when that situation occurs, you usually end up acting in a different way. And so it's hard to totally and 100% feel what somebody else is feeling just because everybody else has different emotions and different things like that. But um, I know I try to, whenever somebody is telling me a story or something, I try to have a judgment-free mind and know that whatever that person is going through or whatever story that they're telling me, it's how they see it. And the way they see it may not be the way that I see it. But that doesn't make it wrong. And so I think it's kind of important to just try to fully see it through both sides of view. That way you can get kind of a stronger picture, like view it through my eyes and try to see, Mm -hmm. well, this person is viewing it this way. I don't necessarily agree with them, but I think they have good points or try to find the positive about it. And that way you can try to help that person understand it better and or help them kind of go through whatever they're going through if they're going through some difficulties and they need your perspective trying to be empathetic towards them can really help them reach their full potential and kind of deal with the problem the best way it's just a good quality to kind of always be practicing and mm-hmm. always try to do and i definitely encourage people to to try to step out of their comfort zone and truly put themselves in somebody else's shoes and realize that they might see things a little bit differently so it's okay to handle things a little bit differently than you normally would kind of be accepting and open-minded thank you so much for that most definitely a great point now empathy requires listening and connecting doctor how can we as parents be more in tune with others so that we can be empathetic and model that to our children right yeah we just have to stop on our tracks mm-hmm. look at our kids in their eyes sit down at the dinner table with them put the phone away I was listening to mom the other day say that one of the advice that she got her and her husband early on was simple as putting the phone away at dinner time. Mm-hmm. And that that was something that just enriched their relationships and that now the kids are the ones that hold them accountable to that and that they pour out to them because there isn't that distraction. And those little traditions and rituals like that that we can create for ourselves are really important. Uh, another speaker was talking about that he does one hour a day, one hour a week and one week a year free of technology in the home. And that those opportunities are moments to connect. So, you know, whatever boundaries you create in your life that create a space for you to listen Mm -hmm. is really effective. And then when you do create those spaces, make them count. Sit down and play with them if they're little or watch, you know, do something together. Play Monopoly together. I don't know. Do those things that we used to do a long time ago that Mm. create a relationship and then that can allow for you to enter their world and see the world through their view play catch i don't know what it might be but create habits that then create opportunities for us to listen and be with each other you know what those little moments will make the difference now that you're mentioning that the other day i had a i'm always on the run (laughs) and we came you don't say (laughs) we came home and i had done laundry and i had like the hand towels i had folded them so i had them on the table and i was going to put them away but my daughter, the, the little one, she's like, what is this, mommy? Can I use this? And I said, yeah, you could use it. I was still folding. And she put it on as a little cape, a oh. towel, a hand towel. My daughter's five. And she's like, 
And my son always does that, but not my daughter. My daughter is very princessy, you know, whatever. And she comes out and she's like, Mommy, come on, you got to go with me because I'm super princess. <laughs> I thought it was, at first, I thought it was silly, right? But she kept insisting. And then you had me there grabbing her and flying her. So she felt like she was really flying princess or whatever. It was super princess. But that moment there, I I really felt like I, I kind of saw the world in through her eyes. And this is something that I was mentioning to my sister the other day. Kids are so, they see things. Yes, they see things the way they are. We sometimes, oftentimes, we complicate our lives so much. And if we just take the time to really sit back and just see things through their eyes, I think mm-hmm. that will help us as well. So that we're able to, like Letitia said, put ourselves in their shoes. Mm-hmm. and understand where they're coming from. And hopefully when we talk to other people, we can also put ourselves in their shoes. Yep. <laughs> All right, moving forward. Thank you for sharing with us, uh, Veronica. Now let's go ahead and move on to our last scenario. This is called Soiled Solidarity. Sounds a little messy. Once upon a time, Jessica's clothing called a meeting. Here's how it unfolded. Brothers and sisters, I know we're angry. I know we're afraid. I know we are tired, stretched thin, falling apart for too long. Jessica has ignored our washing instructions, thrown us on the floor, left us in the hamper for weeks on end. But I have called this meeting to say, you are not alone. We may be divided by size, by type, by color, but deep down, We all want the same thing, to be worn regularly and handled with care. Now, I have a plan that could save all of us from years of abuse and neglect. Yeah, why should we trust him? College sweatshirt is a pre-shrunk poly cotton blend. He doesn't know what it's like to live in fear of the wash. How many has he seen? 100? 150? He's as comfortable as ever. not true. Who does Jessica pick to go jogging? Who does Jessica snuggle up with at night? Some of us haven't been worn in years. He gets worn every week. He has no idea what it's like for us, the marginalized, the mistreated, the forgotten. I say we keep looking out for ourselves. This meeting is a waste of time. No, unmatched sock. Do not mislead your fellow garments. College sweatshirt is right. We are stronger together than we are apart. Says the 1% nylon evening gown. When was the last time dry cleaning spoke to any of you? She's too good to be washed. She lives up there, insulated from the world by a thin plastic veil. I didn't choose to be made this way. The only reason you're here is because your buttons are coming loose. You're vulnerable, so you pretend you care about the rest of us. Well, clothing. Let's let's not fight. I I have a plan, but it will only succeed if we put our differences aside. Only together can we hope to change Jessica. (laughs) There is no changing Jessica. You want to be happy? Then hide. Prolong your final days under the bed behind the dryer, in that bin of winter clothes above the suitcase. Does anyone else feel this way? It seems like you're on your own, Anglesack. Hypocrites. You may be fresh now, but one day you'll be frayed, 
You'll go out of style, and you will be donated or thrown away. And when that day comes, I'll be in the same place I've been for the last three years. Under the dryer. It doesn't have to be this way. Let him go, sweatshirt. Let him go. What's your plan? Right. Well, thank you, everyone, for giving this a shot. It's a bit complicated, so bear with me. I've been talking to the laptop. Together, we've located several articles describing proper laundry. Well, well, that was a messy laundry basket Jessica had there. But through it, we were able to see the laundry work together. Some were evidently fearful of change. Others were ready to stick together and make things better. Now, let's start with the first observation, Dr. Alicia. Why in the heck are people afraid of change? Uh, Because it's unknown. We like to be in control of things. And when we know what's ahead of us and we can plan accordingly, we feel a little bit more secure and and we know what to expect when we don't know what to expect. We don't like it. It's unsteady. It's unraveling. So information provides us a little bit of security. So when we're able to know what's coming, that subsides our anxiety a little bit. But I think we, we also, what we saw here was evidence of what happens in our, it's funny because they're using laundry, but mm-hmm. we see the discussion played out today in society in so many circles where we isolate in a little box, mm-hmm. different political boxes and and we have a hard time, you know, just really sifting through the noise mm-hmm. and understanding where people are coming from. Mm-hmm. You know, we just kind of like slap them a label and we say, OK, you are for this and against this. And therefore, you know, that's it. I'm yep. going to just completely write you off. We're doing ourselves a disservice because we're not listening that people have different feelings, different things are really behind it. That It's more complicated than just black and white or, you know, we just tend to isolate people into very specific boxes, mm-hmm. you know, and the issues can, are just more diverse than that. We're more complicated beings. And so we just need to sit down and listen to people a little bit more. And that changes us. And so maybe sometimes we're afraid of changing if we listen to another story. I agree with you. It's obviously laundry, but it, yeah, it resonates with so many things that are going on in the world right now. They mentioned something I think stood out for me. Everyone wants to be handled with care. Mm -hmm. Everyone wants to be handled with care. And another great point that I heard here is we're stronger together, right? So if we come together and see beyond our differences, we can make that positive change and we can go through things together. So that solidarity, I think, is really important, obviously, with the uh, disasters that we've seen lately. Just sticking together to be able to give a helping hand to the people that really need it. We talked about being some people being self-absorbed or whatever, just being in in your own world. Mm -hmm. Just getting out of that comfort zone and just really helping others. I really like this solidarity piece. And hopefully we can all put it into practice. Yeah, and it doesn't mean that you put away your differences. I think we either do two things. We just shut down and we say, I'm not going to talk about it because I don't want to bring up... Mm -hmm differences you know in this case the laundry and create chaos chaos <laughs> and i don't want it so maybe i'll just shut down mm-hmm. or people are just nasty right yeah. they just say things that are just really disruptive and hurtful and damaging and so it's really a balance of having self-respect and respect for others and boundaries being able to speak up in a way that's respectful to others but also not shy away from mm-hmm. having difficult conversations because it's important to have conversations of differences yet just being able to accept that people have a different worldview than you are and hearing where they're coming from completely before dismissing them and that's where happens we dismiss people a lot mm-hmm. it's true so just listening and more really listening yeah all righty well with that we're going to go ahead and uh, wrap things up uh, leticia 
Any closing tips or comments that you would like to share with us? I mean, I think change is very hard. Going into something where you don't really know what's going to happen is very terrifying. But I think it's important that if you have people by your side who can help you work through those changes together and they make them a little bit less a little bit less scary and a little bit more reasonable and then you can enjoy the actual change and experience it for what it's supposed to be worth. And so I think it's important to find people that you can trust in that kind of way and that can help you through those changes and embrace life together and everybody's stronger in a pact as opposed to by yourself. So I think that's important too. That's amazing. Uh, I just want to take this moment to to say it's commendable everything that you've done at your scarce 22 years of life. Felicidades, congratulations. I'm a big fan now. How could I follow you on uh, social media? Oh, thank you. I really appreciate it. It's a lot of fun. I, I like getting to travel and I'm, I'm truly blessed and thankful for my family for helping me. And um, I do have a Twitter and an Instagram and a Facebook. So on Facebook, I'm just Leticia Martinez with two T's. Instagram, you should totally follow my Instagram. I have a lot of fun with it. I post pictures of like a wall and I'll say pretty blue sky and people think that I'm uh, being serious. And so I, <laughs> I have fun with that. My Instagram handle is at Leticia with two T's again, underscore all day. And then my Twitter is at T-I-C-I-A underscore Martinez. I'd really appreciate the follows and um, you can follow me along my journey and help me get ready because I'm training for Tokyo 2020. So trying to get my hip back to normal so I can start training hard again. Cool. I just found you. All right. Here we go. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you for joining us. And it's so refreshing to hear be with so much humor and just look at life with such a positive perspective. Thank you, Leticia. Thank you so much for having me. I really, I really appreciate it. And I really enjoy listening to your guys' opinions and you guys are great. Thank you for that. Dr. Alicia, any closing thoughts? Thank you, Leticia. You're really an inspiration to so many of us. I just appreciate your go-getter and your strength. It really shows forth for all the audience. We just need to remember to create spaces and opportunities where we listen to others and, and hear their struggles, hear their life story and enter into their world so our so our world is not so limited and small. So it can yes. be bigger and, and we can appreciate each other a little bit more. Love it. All righty. So that was the Struggle is Real, part of our special gratitude series. Please do us a favor and share it with friends, colleagues, loved ones, your boobaloo, whoever. <laughs> Just share it. That's right. Get the app through iTunes and stay tuned for the next one because I'm telling you, it's a very good one. Yes, it is. Supporting resources are also available now at Family Bridges app. Download it today. And I'll take this moment to also let you know about A Better Me. It's a curriculum and resources that Family Bridges has exactly on how to identify and deal with your emotions. You can find that at FamilyBridgesUSA.org. And, of course, the hashtag world. You can find us under the struggle is real or hashtag TSIR. That's it for now. I'm Veronica Avila. And on this side, Omar Ramos. Till next time. This was The Struggle is Real by Family Bridges. For more ideas on parenting, get your copy of The Struggle is Real by Drs. Paul Meyer and Alicia Laos on FamilyBridgesUSA.com.